Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 148. In episode 145, I played the audio summary of a report from the Lepanto Institute titled, Vatican Agency Directly Tied to Communism, Abortion, and Idolatry. As a result of that report, I asked the head of the Lepanto Institute, Michael Hitchborn, to come onto the show and talk about it. During the interview, Michael informed us of something much more devastating, and you're going to hear it here straight from the horse's mouth. You probably won't believe this, but I had a priest tell me the other day that it's better to leave the laity in their ignorance of Catholic teaching so they can have a better chance at going to heaven. What? The Catholic Church clearly teaches that a Catholic's ignorance of the faith is an evil, a privation, that the human mind created in God's image is made to know truth. I can't judge the state of this priest's soul, but I can judge what he told me. What he said implies that he really doesn't care about the souls of his parishioners. Fortunately, I can know that faithful priests aren't that way. Jesus established the Catholic Church for one reason and one reason only, so we'd have a chance to go to heaven, a chance to become saints. As I heard a local priest say in a homily a while back, if you don't want to become a saint, why on earth are you a Catholic? Since at least 95% of Catholics neither know nor understand the Catholic faith, a chance to become a saint isn't possible for them. Conscientious priests and devoted laity naturally want to help parishioners do that. Well, I can help you with that. Introducing the What We Believe, Why We Believe It Bulletin Inserts. Endorsed by Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, each of these inserts teaches a thumbnail catechism lesson. When parishioners begin to get involved, they'll get many more benefits besides, and at a cost of only $19.95 a month. But you won't start out paying that because I want to give you a three-month subscription free of charge just to try it out. Take 11 minutes to watch the video fully explaining it by clicking the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Inserts to learn more. A lot of lay people get a subscription for their parish as a way to support the parish without giving the bishop any of their money. To learn more, Click on the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Inserts. It just requires 11 minutes of your time. When I ask Catholics about Michael Hitchborn and the Lepanto Institute, the usual response is, who? Most people aren't aware of Michael and the work he does. You really might want to begin to get familiar with the Lepanto Institute. The Lepanto Institute is an apostolate that digs deep into the activities of Catholic charitable organizations and the USCCB to find out what exactly they do with the money you give them. On an organizational level, Michael issues reports to tell you which Catholic groups are safe to give money to and which aren't. 
Last year, he issued a bombshell report to expose Catholic Relief Services and the Catholic Campaign for Human Development for the frauds that they are. What made this so bad is that Michael proved that these charitable branches of the USCCB promote Marxism, abortion, premarital sex among young people, contraception, and even Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Using the Lepano Institute's report, I sent a letter or email to every member of my parish explaining the problem and asking my fellow parishioners not to donate a dime to the annual bishop's campaign for the Campaign for Human Development. Thanks be to God, a number of parishioners were influenced enough by the Lepanto Institute report that they didn't give a dime. I was shocked when I read the Lepanto Institute report titled, Vatican Agency Directly Tied to Communism, Abortion, and Idolatry. I immediately reached out to Michael to invite him on the show to talk about it. He graciously consented, so you'll meet Michael Hitchborn in a moment. Our interview was scheduled for October 29th. On the 28th, he told me about the biggest, most important report of his career, titled Pope Francis Encourages Communist Groups as, quote, Veritable Invisible Army, end quote. That was to be published on November the 1st. Michael published the report in video format and sent me the link to see what he'd be releasing. By the time you're able to hear this episode, that explosive report will already have been out for two days. I very strongly urge you to watch that 17-minute video to see for yourself the horrific report. I'll put a link to the report in my show notes. In the meantime, here's Michael Hitchborn. Hello, Michael. How are you today? Doing great, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, Michael, this promises to be a lengthy interview, so let's dive right in, okay? Sounds like a plan. All right, Michael, you head the Lapano Institute, which is on a very important mission that I've followed for years. But most of the six-pack warriors have never heard of you or the Lapanto Institute. Will you first tell listeners a bit about yourself, then explain the mission of the Lapanto Institute? Sure. So... I got started in the kind of work that I'm doing now uh, in a very kind of haphazard way. This was not a journey that I had intended. Our lady kind of guided everything. I, I started working at American Life League back in 2007. It's a pro-life, national pro-life organization. And while I was there, uh, I was put in charge of the media and doing media reports and that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know, I, I really should be kind of digging into organizations that are that are, you know, promoting abortion and figuring out exactly how to fight them and combat them. And through that work, I discovered that there were organizations within the Catholic Church that were themselves promoting abortion and contraception. And these organizations are like Catholic Relief Services, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. Even Catholic Charities has, to some extent, been involved in this kind of thing. So, I started producing reports based on that information, and uh, it, it got a lot of uh, attention. Well, through the course of that work, uh, it, it it kind of grew and grew and grew, and, and American Life League, being a strictly pro-life organization, said, look, what you're doing is kind of beyond the scope of what we're about, uh, so we kind of need to change gears here, and they gave me a choice, either stick around and take a new position, or... 
I could leave and launch my own stuff. And uh, after much prayer and conversations with my wife, uh, we made the decision to launch the Lepanto Institute. So the mission is to continue the investigations that I've been doing, to look into organizations and individuals within the Catholic Church that are acting very much against the Catholic Church. And to help people to understand the kind, the nature of the crisis that we're in so that they don't lose hope. You know, a lot of people say, well, you're, you're, you're uh, scandal mongering. You're promoting scandal within the church and you're scandalizing people. And I, my response is, well, no, I'm not. People understand on an intimate level that there is a very serious problem right now, that the church is in crisis. And because of that, they're afraid, they're confused, they're conflicted. And my point, my mission is to provide clarity to those individuals who are on the verge of scandal. So that's the purpose and mission of the Lepanto Institute, and that's what we've been doing for the last seven and a half years. You bad boy. You, Michael <laughs> Voris, and me. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael, the Lepanto Institute has as its mission, as you explained, uh, how Catholics' money is being misused by the bishops for moral purposes, as well as informing Catholics about which Catholic charities use donations for worthy causes and which don't. Now, it's been four years since you've released an episode, and, and I'd love to see you reactivate your podcast, <laughs> as I'm sure a lot, of, uh, a lot of our listeners would too after hearing you today. The Lepanto Institute is also behind complicit clergy and courageous clergy. Please tell the audience a bit about both of those and sure. why you started them, as a matter of fact. Sure. Now, complicit clergy and courageous clergy are um, two initiatives that were started by other individuals. They, they, they wish to remain anonymous. So part of uh, my work is to work with other entities, other individuals, other agencies uh, in trying to expose the problem, weed out the problem, and to promote those who are actually fighting against uh, the the incursion within the church. So Complicit Clergy was launched very shortly after the McCarrick scandal of 2018. And uh, the individuals behind it, and, and I've been very active with helping to promote their initiatives and to, uh, to show just how deep the rot really goes. And uh, then this last summer with all of the, um, uh, the canceled priests, uh, courageous clergy was launched by the same individuals. And, and as, as we discussed or in our private discussions, it was, it was, uh, decided that, you know, they really do need to be a 501c3. And so I worked with them in, in bringing them under the Lepanto Institute umbrella. You know, <laughs> your reports last year, I got in a lot of trouble over one of your reports. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you remember you published the report last year about the uh, Catholic Campaign for Human Development. <laughs> and first of all, we haven't been to Mass in two years because we're homebound. Yeah. Uh, Father got permission from Archbishop Carlson of St. Louis before he retired mm -hmm. to come in and say Mass for us one time. Uh, I'm persona non grata with this new Archbishop, Rosansky, uh -huh. uh, because what I did 
after uh, after your report last year, I either sent a letter or an email to every member of the parish with a copy of that report. Oh, that's fantastic. And I was asking them, please, don't contribute a dime to this. Mm-hmm. In fact, never give this archbishop a penny. And I also explained how he's part of the Lavender Mafia and the criminal organization we oh, call yeah. the USCCB. Yep. So I became persona non grata with this archbishop. I don't expect to be having mass here in the house anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, too bad. Well, after the VA makes some adjustments for me, we might be able to start going back to mass, I hope. That would be wonderful. Uh, earlier this month, Michael, you published a report titled Vatican Agency Directly Tied to Communism, Abortion, and Idolatry. In this show's episode 145, we ran the audio from the video summary of that lengthy, thorough, and uh, well-researched report, and I congratulate you on that. Will you please give listeners a couple of high points about the report that isn't in the summary and why it's so important for everyone to both read and disseminate this report to other Catholics. So this report is actually the culmination of a lot of research over the last 10 or 11 years. Uh, I started, I, I first discovered what was going on with Caritas Internationalis and its involvement with the international communist organization called the World Social Forum. I first discovered this back in 2010. And what was interesting is that After discovering this, this was right around the time that I was learning all sorts of stuff about Catholic Relief Services and their involvement with the World Social Forum, and it was pretty rotten. I met with the art or or with the bishop who was then in charge of Caritas, or or, I'm sorry, with uh, Catholic Relief Services. And when I sat down to explain to him the things that I was finding, I also showed him uh, the information that I found about Caritas Internationalis and the World Social Forum. And I said, look, we've had access to their internal website, uh, the World Social Forum's internal website, and we got all this documentation to show that not only are they communist, but they're pro-abortion, they're, they're pro-contraception, they're pro-homosexual. Um, and I showed them all, showed them all of this information. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, this bishop is certainly not a friend of fidelity to the faith. <laughs> and uh, so... <laughs> He uh, he really wanted to get me out of the room. He he couldn't figure out how to get me out of that room fast enough. And after the meeting, I flew home. And between leaving his office and landing in D.C., uh, somewhere in the interim, something was done. And suddenly, I was no longer able to access the internal website of the World Social Forum, which tells me that somebody made a phone call. So... Uh, just to, that that should give your your listeners kind of a an insight into the depth of the complicity and the uh, the corruption that some of these bishops are engaged in to to show how thoroughly communist and and the international syndicate that they're involved with in promoting communism and and everything else antithetical to church teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I got tickled whenever you talked about this bishop wanting to get rid of you. Uh, (laughs) About a decade ago, I was in a bishop's office. We had uh, uh, two deacons and a priest in there with us. Uh, 
And I can't remember exactly what was said. The bishop did say, Joe, I have to worry about what the news media says. Hmm. And I said in reply, well, your excellency, I don't think St. Peter worried about what the news media had to say. (laughs) And the other three men in the room looked down at their shoes. The archbishop stared holes through me. And uh, the audience was over in about 30 seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I've, had, I've had meetings like that, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love these bishops whenever they don't, uh, whenever they realize they can't play the political game with us. They, yep. they don't know what to do. Yep. Just this past Monday, you published a report titled, Vatican Video Celebrates Militant Communists. In my perception of this report, Pope Frank, I don't call him Pope Francis. (laughs) (laughs) Pope Frank is actually outed as a communist. Tell Six Pack Warriors about this report. So what we discovered is that uh, on October the 16th, Pope Francis and uh, the Dicastery for Integral Human Development in the Vatican put on what they called the fourth annual World Meeting of Popular Movements. And uh, this this world meeting of popular movements was supposed to be a gathering, a collection of these different international. They call themselves grassroots agencies, but they're they're clearly getting money from somewhere. But these organizations are working together in order to create what they believe should be implemented in terms of social justice. The problem is that they're thoroughly communist. I mean, this isn't like hyperbole. We have video of one of the speakers at the world meeting of popular movements. This woman who was invited by the Vatican to speak, we have video of her doing a read aloud of the communist manifesto with her family, including her young sons. She was highlighted very much in this video. The organization that she represents, MST, this organization celebrates Karl Marx like he's a saint. So it's not just her promotion of communism, the Communist Manifesto, but the organization she works for, MST, is also celebrating Karl Marx like he's a saint. They celebrate his birth. They celebrate his death. They celebrate the publication of the Communist Manifesto. And each time they say things like, this is the greatest thing since uh, to ever happened in the world. It's it, he is he's done a marvelous deed for workers and and for uh, the the poor and everything else. They are actually calling for communist revolution. And the thing is, this organization MST wasn't the only one at the Vatican that was celebrated in this World Meeting of Popular Movements. There was also an organization called Slum Dwellers International. There was one called Streetnet. There's another one. There's another one called Mediterranean Saving Humans. The guy who was the head of that one who got interviewed by the Vatican, his name is Luca Casarini. He was a communist agitator who actually called a declaration of war against the G8 summit in 2001, and his thugs armed themselves with two-by-fours and started beating the police over the head. Wow. These people are these people are the ones that Pope Francis said uh, are, he called them a hidden army. He said, you are, 
as I said in the letter I sent you last year, a veritable invisible army. You are a fundamental part of that humanity that fights for life against a system of death. So Pope Francis, in this particular audience, this video that he did for the world meeting of popular movements called these communists a veritable invisible army. And he's not wrong. They are an army. He also said, and this is probably the most uh, outrageous thing he said in the whole thing. He said, there are, however, some concrete measures that may allow for significant changes. These measures are present in your documents, in your speeches, and I have taken them very much into account. I have reflected on them and consulted specialists. Let me tell you something. This is an admission of guilt. Here, Pope Francis is, is acknowledging that he knows exactly what these organizations are about. He knows exactly who these people are. He knows that they're communists because I found that information and it was very easy. It was right there, front and center, on their websites, on their social media pages, in their speeches. These individuals constantly call upon Marx. They constantly reflect on the Communist Manifesto. They constantly say that they are calling for a socialist revolution. And Pope Francis said that he saw their documents and heard their speeches and thought that they were very important. Now, this removes any plausible deniability from him. He can't say, well, I didn't know how communist they were. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he said so himself. So this report is probably the most shocking and the most important report that we have ever produced because it shows beyond all measured doubt that Pope Francis and the Vatican are completely and totally aligned and in bed with international communism, and they are helping to assist in an international Marxist revolution. This is shocking beyond belief. Yes, it is. Uh, Michael, I hate to put you on the spot to actually put it on record, but would you agree with me that this report outed Pope Frank as a communist? I think it, well, it's, it's hard to deny that he is at this point. I'll say that much. I can't say for sure because I don't know his heart. But I can tell you that his actions and his alliances, allegiances, and support for Marxists certainly shows it in his actions. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. His fruit is nothing like what the tree should be producing. Exactly. Okay. Your two reports, this one we just spoke about and then the other one you did earlier uh, this month, they're incredibly damning. Uh, they're an indictment of both the Vatican and our own home ground Catholic criminal empire known as the USCCB. Mm -hmm. Because of the decades-long sex abuse scandal, the lavender mafia within the priesthood, and the things like your reports expose, I know a lot of Catholics who've left the faith, and I'm yeah. sure that we all do. This is further evidence that Catholics haven't been given proper catechetical formation. I mean, after all, if you know the true nature of the church, it's impossible to leave her. Right. 
What do you say to those Catholics who've left the church? And what do you say to listeners who are being tempted to leave the church? I I will say this. Uh, You don't jump ship because of a mutiny in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If if your ship is, is, if there's a mutiny going on on your ship, uh, you have a choice. You either join in the fight and you fight against the, the mutineers or you jump ship. If you jump ship, you're surely going to drown. There, there's, there's no doubt. You will drown. Yes. If you join in the mutiny, you might die, but you know what? At least you will have fought. At least you will have stayed and tried to right the wrong that is taking place. And that's the, that's the fact of the situation we're in right now. The bark of Peter is the ship in the hurricane. One of my favorite statues, which I saw in Rome uh, for the first time about three years ago, one of my favorite things to do whenever I got to go to Rome, and please God, I'll be able to go again someday, I I like to just go down the alleys and duck into various churches and and go to the places that are unseen. I like to go where where, uh, the foot traffic just isn't there. I want to see the things that are Rome. I don't want to see the – you know, the tourist traps and everything else. I want to see the things that are Rome. So I will duck into alleyways. I'll go into little churches that are totally hidden and tucked away. And I I went into this one and there was this gorgeous statue of Our Lady. And the statue, it it, it was Our Lady and she was holding the Christ. She was holding the Christ child forward. So with both hands, the Christ child was facing forward and at her feet, her feet were on a, on the cliff of a, or, or on the edge of a cliff. And to her right, to the right of her feet was a lighthouse. And at her feet, underneath the base of the cliff was a ship that was being dashed against the rocks. And you could see waves rolling over the, the, the top of the ship. So the ship was taking on water. It was being dashed against the rocks. And Our Lady's feet were there, and she was holding forward Christ with a lighthouse to her right. So what this symbolizes is that Our Lady is the lighthouse for the bark of Peter, and the bark of Peter will be dashed against the cliffs. It will have the waters of the world wash over her decks, but that's the point. It's only going to wash over the decks. It cannot and will not sink her. So... We have to turn to Our Lady and we have to turn to her knowing that she is holding the Christ child, the light of the world. That's why she's the lighthouse. She holds the light. So we turn to her, we turn to the Christ, and we say, Lord, help us. Our ship is dashed against the rocks and is being washed over by the waters of the world. Save us. And like St. Peter He will reach down and he will pull us up out of the water. And of course, he's going to say those infamous words, oh, ye of little faith. So uh, have faith, take heart and understand that there is only sanctity and safehood in the church. Amen. You don't leave the church because of the mutineers. So that's where we are. Amen. You know, that, that statue you talked about. Is kind of reminiscent of John Bosco's uh, 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 dream. vision that he had. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, his dream. I and he's the uh, patron saint of this apostolate. Oh, wonderful! I love Saint. I read Saint John Bosco probably two or three years after 
I became a Catholic. And I was convinced that you can't be a that you can't be a uh, saint. Mm-hmm. That you know, I was just too imperfect. There was no way I could be a saint. But I read Bosco's book about Saint Dominic Savio. And by the time I finished that book, I was absolutely convinced anyone can become a saint. Yep. It's just a matter of trying and cooperating with grace. That's it. That's it. So, and speaking of that, all Catholics have two principal obligations, to become holy and to share the faith. Every other Catholic obligation falls under these two. I contend that part of sharing the faith is standing up to aggressively defend the faith and actively fight the heresies of criminal activities of the USCCB. What do you have to say about that? I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the USCCB is, is a criminal enterprise. There's no doubt about that at this point. Many of the bishops involved with the USCCB are not only complicit, but are part of a crime syndicate. And I hate to say it. But I do believe that they are engaged and a part of a formal set of sex trafficking uh, operations throughout the country. The, the fact that they're shuffling around pederast priests, that many some of them have been discovered to be pederasts. Let's look at Cardinal McCarrick. There, there is a serious problem here. And the idea of sex trafficking is something that we need to start looking at seriously with regard to the USCCB. Why is Catholic Charities and, and uh, Catholic Relief Services so interested in pushing contraception and abortion and then claiming that they aren't? Uh, you know, you start looking at what they're actually doing and you you have to think about, well, what? why do they do this? Part of it is the money that they get from the government. But why else would they compromise their principles? Well, are they really compromising their principles? Are they actually engaging in something that they truly believe in? And is there a reason why, and I'll, I'll give an example, there was a priest who worked for Caritas Internationalis who was discovered to be engaging in all kinds of pederasty, child abuse. He was shuffled around by Cardinal Togley, and uh, he was abusing kids in these third world orphanages. Why would he want contraception? Why would he want uh, abortion? because it would help cover up for his crimes. So Amen. if there's one priest who's looking to contraception and abortion to cover up his crimes, you can guarantee that there are going to be a bunch of others. As they say, there's never just one cockroach. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, last week I, I did a whole uh, episode about contraception. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, in excess of 98% of Catholic couples use contraception. How in the world can you claim to be pro-life using artificial contraception? Right. How on earth can you claim to be a devout Catholic using artificial contraception? It takes 2.3 children from every woman in this country to replace, just to maintain our levels. Yep, We're making ourselves extinct because we produce 1.3 now. Yep. It's, it's, it's scary, but, uh, you know, the good thing is if we persevere, some of us will get to be saved. (laughs) (laughs) 
what suggestions would you make to Catholics as to the best ways to defend the church? Well, first and foremost, we have to pray. We have to pray. We have to fast. Uh, we have to do make sacrifices, do penance. Uh, that's the most important. Uh, Our Lady in uh, 1917 at uh, Fatima, Portugal, she asked us to pray the rosary daily. She asked for us to make the five first Saturdays of reparation to her Immaculate Heart. Uh, though that's a, that's a very small contribution. It's a very small yeah. thing to do, but it is among the most important. And she said so. She asked for it. We should do it. So that's that's the first step. Uh, the second thing is be informed. You can't fight an enemy that you can't see. Yeah. You have to be informed. You have to know something about your enemy. You have to know something about what your enemy is up to, where your enemy is going, what they are trying to accomplish. Okay. You can't do that if you're not informed. Uh, there are a lot of people that have half information, and this is the most dangerous thing for them because with half information, they go out and they make claims about things that are not true and it gets them in trouble. They think they know. For I'll give an example. Uh, Catholic Relief Services, we have reported on a number of times, uh, is engaged with organizations that are promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, and all that kind of stuff. Catholic Relief Services does not give money to Planned Parenthood, but they do give money to organizations that are aligned with Planned Parenthood. Because people did not do not really process that information and make sure that they are precise in what they know, they say things like Catholic Relief Services is giving money to Planned Parenthood. And that's a problem because now the, the, uh, the bad guys can turn right around and say that is not true. And the people putting out these reports are liars. I didn't say that. But people are pointing to our reports saying – CRS gave money to Planned Parenthood. No, that's not what we said. That's not what our reports said. But because they got the information wrong, it actually causes problems. So be informed. Actually read the reports. Don't just look at the headlines. Read the reports. Be familiar with, with the reports, especially if you're going to engage society and individuals based on them. You have to know the material. You have to read it. You have to absorb it. You have to own it. Then. Once you know that stuff, that's when you go out. That's when you inform your priests. That's when you go out and you try to talk to your bishops. That's when you go out and you talk to the people in your community and you say, hey, you shouldn't giving, be giving money to this organization or that organization because of X, Y, and Z. Now you're prepared. Now you're ready to fight. But let's go back. First, pray, sacrifice, do penance. Most Amen. important. Secondly, be informed, get to know the material, read it, absorb it, then go talk to people, go show them the information, explain to them what the problem is. That is the pro that's the proper procedure in fighting against this culture. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Michael. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of breezed through this interview because I didn't want to keep you too long. And I really didn't want to divide the interview into two separate episodes. I wanted everybody to get everything you had to give in this one. Did we sufficiently cover the report you released Monday? 
I think so. I mean, ultimately, when people watch that report, they're going to be shocked. They're going to be shocked and they're uh, they're going to be tempted. Let me say this. They're going to be tempted to say things um, that they don't have the authority to say. Uh, and what that what I mean by that is they're going to be tempted to say things like, well, Pope Francis isn't the pope. I, I will say this. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But no one has the authority to make that declarative. That's we have true. to wait for a subsequent pope or a subsequent council to make that decision. We have no authority to say that. Don't, do not step in front of Christ. Do not step in front of the church and take upon yourself an authority you don't have. So don't do that. Yeah, a year or two after uh, Pope Frank was elected, I was talking to Cardinal Burke. Uh, you know, he was in the conclave that elected Francis. Right. Of course, he couldn't give me any details, but I asked him, was this conclave legitimate? Was this election legitimate? Do we really have to suffer through with him? And uh, he said emphatically, yes, the whole thing was legitimate, and Francis is indeed the Pope. Okay, so... Michael, we've really appreciated having you on the show today, and there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to get a lot of feedback from this particular episode because of the things we talked about. Now, I'm going to put links to your reports and Lepanto Institute in general in there. I'm also going to put links to... Uh, complicit clergy and courageous clergy in my show notes. Is there anything else you wanted to add that you think people should see? Well, you know, quite honestly, if, if people want to understand what's going on with CRS, they can go to the website, lepantoin.org forward slash CRS. Um, we have a compilation of, gosh, I want to say almost 40 reports that we've put together on CRS uh, very thoroughly researched. Um, but the other thing that I want to say is that if, if anybody has any questions, they can always write at, in, in my email address, Michael at Lepanto, I N dot net, Michael at Lepanto, L E P A N T O I N dot net. Uh, I respond to my emails. It may take me a little while because I'm swamped, but, uh, I do respond. And uh, if they have questions about our reports, I'm happy to answer them. Well, that's great. Listen, I have really enjoyed speaking with you today. I'm wondering if at some point into the future, uh, you would mind coming back on the show, especially as you do some of these explosive reports. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. We'll talk to you another time. Wonderful. Thank you. God bless you and God bless your audience. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, you heard it. Obviously, we can't judge hearts or souls, but the fruits borne by Pope Frank certainly appear to be the fruits of a communist. The theological quagmire this creates for the College of Cardinals on what to do about Pope Frank is mind-boggling, if they even care to do anything about it. For us, in the meantime, we have to live up to our roles as warriors and fight to defend Christ and his church. Things have really snuck up on me. You know, I don't earn a dime from this apostolate, and I provide a lot of free resources. 
There's the free email course, the weekly free webinars, and I don't get a dime from my Wander column. And what little revenue I take in comes from book sales and a few very generous monthly donors. I barely cover costs, and some months I don't even do that. Stuff to do on a meager fixed income. Pretender Biden's inflation is eating us alive, and it comes at a time when this apostolate has some very specific needs. I need a new computer for the apostolate, or the apostolate's finished. I have annual fees associated with this apostolate that have to be paid, and some are pretty substantial. I'm trying to get money to launch the Help of Christians podcast network in January. I really need you six-pack warriors to rally around this apostolate and help keep things going. Between this apostolate and all the other things I do, I reach around 300,000 souls a week. That can't continue if I don't have your help. There's a link in my show note that says, Help Keep the Joe Six-Pack the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate Alive. Click on that link to make a gift to this apostolate, and please make it a monthly gift as long as you can. There's also information there for six-pack warriors who prefer to mail a check. As Mother Angelica used to say, put us somewhere between the water bill and the light bill. Thank you. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Daily Wire. The Supreme Court will hear two cases involving the pro-life Texas heartbeat law. The court will deliberate on concerns about the structure and enforcement of the law and not whether the law violates Roe v. Wade. The Texas law allows private citizens to launch civil suits against anyone who aids or abets an abortion after a baby's heartbeat can be detected. The Supreme Court ruled 5-4 on September 1 to allow the law to go into effect. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire. White House Press Secretary Jim Psaki became the highest-ranking official in the Biden administration to publicly reveal a positive diagnosis for COVID-19. She stated, While I have not had close contact in person with the president or senior members of the White House staff since Wednesday and tested negative for four days after the last contact, I am disclosing today's positive test out of an abundance of transparency. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Washington Examiner A new NBC News poll indicated that 71% of Americans believe the United States is heading in the wrong direction, with just 22% saying the country is heading in the right direction. NBC's Chuck Todd couldn't believe the numbers. Republicans, believe it or not, have double-digit leads in dealing with border security, inflation, crime, national security, the economy, and, shockingly, on getting things done. He added, 
The only good news for Mr. Biden and the Democrats in this poll is that the midterm elections aren't for another year. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic news pick number two. Hats off to MyNorthwest.com. Seattle Fire turned many units offline due to a staffing crisis caused by the vaccine mandate. Despite leaning on overtime and spending hundreds of thousands extra, the city doesn't have enough staff to cover required shifts. Chief Harold Scoggins emailed staff, There will be shifts where staffing falls below 220, and we have to take units out of service. One firefighter told 770 KTTH Radio, The city is without firefighters today. Someone will die today as a result. Whoa! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to Catholic News Service. Bishop Jose Munilla of San Sebastian, Spain, strongly disagreed with President Biden's claim that Pope Francis personally told him to continue receiving communion despite his strident support for legal abortion. These incredible statements reveal the moral character of those who are capable of compromising and manipulating the Pope with the intention of washing their conscience stained by the blood of so many innocent lives unjustly eliminated, said Bishop Manila. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. When St. Anthony of Padua was only five years old, he once heard a knock at the door late at night. It was wintertime, and the weather outside was very cold and snowy. Little Anthony ran to the window to see who was knocking at the door on such a blistery night. He saw, standing deep in snow, another little boy who was barefoot and dressed in pitifully worn and torn clothing, carrying a bag on his back. When Anthony opened the door, the little boy came into the warm house. He was shivering from the cold, and his feet were numb and almost frozen. Thank you, said the little boy. I'm glad to get warm and rest a while, because I'm very cold and tired. He laid his small bag on the floor and stood close to the fire to warm himself. What do you have in the bag? Anthony asked. What do you think it is? I think you have loaves of bread some good people have given you because you look like a little beggar. No, answered the little boy. So Anthony looked into his little guest bag and saw many little hearts that looked like rubies. Who are you and what is this? asked Anthony. I'm the son of a king, and I'm gathering human hearts who want to love me. Anthony, give me your heart. What's your name? Anthony asked. 
Oh, I don't have to tell you that because your mother has often told you about me. I'm Jesus. Then the little boy suddenly disappeared. This was how Jesus first began to draw Anthony to himself, the beginning of his journey to sainthood. This is a true story from the life of St. Anthony of Padua. Many of the greatest saints in our history have extraordinary stories like this from their childhood because God had chosen them for some extraordinary work. In St. Anthony's case, he wanted the saint to preach against the great heresies of the day and to demonstrate God's greatness through miracles. That's why St. Anthony was called the Hammer of Heretics and the Wonder Worker. Many of St. Anthony's biographers claim that he was the only saint in history to perform works as great and greater than Jesus, which fits with Jesus' prophecy that we'd be able to perform works greater than he. St. Anthony was so great a preacher that he was said to have even taken Jesus at his word to preach to the whole creation in Mark 16:15 and preach to nature when people wouldn't listen. He once went into a village where he'd been completely rejected and the people refused to listen to the message of God he had for them. So St. Anthony stopped at a lake just outside of the village and began preaching to the lake. According to witnesses, the fish in the lake all surfaced the water and listened to St. Anthony while he preached, then went back below when he'd finished. Another incident in St. Anthony's life taught about the truth of the real presence of Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist. He went into a town where no one ever attended the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. When he asked why people stayed away from Mass, the town's priest told him it was because the wealthy man who ran the town was a heretic who denied the real presence, and he told the people that he'd deny work and payment to anyone who attended Mass. St. Anthony went to the man to confront him. Why won't you allow the people to go to Mass? asked Anthony. The man replied, Jesus isn't God, and he certainly doesn't live in a piece of bread. This is my town, and I won't allow such silliness. St. Anthony asked, If I can prove to you that Jesus and the Most Holy Eucharist are one, will you allow the people to return to Mass? The man scoffed and laughed. He said, sure, if you can do that, I'll allow them to go back to Mass, and I'll even go myself. But you can't prove such a thing. Tied behind the man's horse was a donkey carrying some of the man's goods. St. Anthony said, take your donkey and pin him up. Deny him food of any kind for the next three days. Then bring him back here to the town square, and I'll prove to you that Jesus is in the Holy Eucharist. The man agreed to the challenge and left. Three days later, the man returned to the town square. St. Anthony was waiting there. About 100 feet ahead of the donkey, Anthony had placed a large basket of grain. The donkey smelled the grain and was trying to break away from his master to get it. But standing halfway between the man and his donkey and the grain was St. Anthony, holding a monstrance with our Eucharistic Lord exposed. St. Anthony told the man to release the donkey. The starving beast charged forward toward the grain. But when the hungry donkey got as far as St. Anthony holding Jesus in the monstrance, the animal stopped and knelt before his creator for a moment of adoration before moving on to the grain. All present were amazed. 
Anthony went to the shock wealthy heretic and said, If a donkey, a dumb beast, can recognize his master and creator, why is it that you can't believe? The man wept and made a good confession to St. Anthony right there in the street, and the entire town returned to Mass. Certainly St. Anthony had an early start at becoming a saint because Jesus had tapped him out at a very early age for great works in his adulthood. It'd be great if we could all be so blessed. God has given us extraordinary people like St. Anthony who performed extraordinary miracles to remind us of his great majesty and to recall us to himself, but he usually works within his own restrictions of nature for the rest of us. So for us, becoming a saint is hard and tedious work. We aren't blessed with the stigmata like St. Francis or Padre Pio. We can't make money or food materialize out of thin air like St. John Bosco. We can't bilocate, that is, be in more than one place at a time like St. Teresa of Avila or St. Jacinta of Fatima. But we're no less required to become saints. Most of the saints in history never performed any miracles at all. Most of them never even gave us prophecies or preached great sermons or were even widely known for their holiness. They were just everyday people like you and me, Joe Sixpacks who lived unnoticed by the world. The one thing they did do that most of us seem to resist is they let go of the world and its allures and took Jesus' statement to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect as the command that it is. That doesn't mean they became hermits and ran away from the world. No, they lived life just like all the rest of us. They earned their livings, paid their bills, reared their children, and faced all the trials, difficulties, and joys of life that you and I face. For the vast majority of saints in our history, becoming a saint was a lifelong process. God had given them, and us, the great examples of saints like Anthony to inspire and motivate, but they had to practice our faith and obey Christ's commands just like everyone else. That's why we're called practicing Catholics. It takes a lifetime of practice to get it right. If you take the time to read the lives of the saints, you'll see what I mean. If you choose to practice Catholicism without reservation and strive to become a saint, it's going to be difficult. Jesus often asks things of us that are hard. But living a life that demonstrates to him you want to become a saint is full of joy even at those times when there's no happiness. Won't you join the many Catholics around the world who strive daily to become saints? Discover why thousands of readers worldwide turn to the Wanderer newspaper for weekly perspective and analysis of the news and events that increasingly threaten our values and our way of life. Hello. My name is Joe Matt, publisher of America's oldest national Catholic weekly newspaper, The Wanderer. If you take your Catholic faith seriously and you are concerned about the direction of our country, the ever-encroaching hand of big government, the assault of the culture on the traditional family, and the threat of progressive leaders in our churches who embrace much of the current leftist culture rather than opposing it, you will find a home in the pages of The Wanderer. If you are tired of being force-fed the agenda-driven false narratives of the day by the godless dominant media and the political elite who preside within our government, our schools, and yes, in our Catholic churches, it is time for you to take a look at The Wanderer. 
Every week, The Wander addresses these concerns, exposing the who, what, and the why with sound analysis and solutions to these problems that threaten the values we hold dear. Not only is The Wander a great source for the issues that affect our lives, but it is also a great tool to learn more about the treasures of our Catholic faith and how to defend it in this time of great moral decay. I'm so confident you will like The Wanderer. For you six-packers out there, I have a special offer. For $1, that's $1, we are offering new subscribers the opportunity to receive one month's worth of issues. That's four weekly issues. Take The Wanderer for a test drive. After one month, it is $9 a month. You can cancel anytime you want. I hope you will take advantage of this limited offer today. Text the word NEWS to 830-331-5729 and I will send you a link to this offer or look for the link in Joe's show notes below. The Wanderer. For 154 years, unabashedly pro-life, independent, and conservative in its politics, and steadfast in its defense of Orthodox Catholicism. Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Teresa of Lisieux, also known as the Little Flower. She said, you cannot be half a saint. You must be a whole saint or no saint at all. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. In the fall of the year 1841, the saintly and zealous Jesuit, Father Zesmet, and his companions saw the completion of the first church in what is now Montana. When the chapel was finished, one of the Indians exclaimed, This is exactly where Little Mary said the house of prayer would be built. Little Mary was a 13-year-old girl who'd taken ill. There wasn't any priest around when she fell ill, so she asked one of the other Indians to baptize her. She told him to pour water on her head and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He did as she asked. In her joy, she cried out, there is no happiness on earth. Happiness is found only above. She lifted her weak, trembling hands and raised her eyes heavenward and said, I see the heavens open, and God's mother calls me there. Then she turned to those around her. Listen to the black robes when they come. Do all they tell you. They're coming and will build a house of prayer where I am dying. Even a pagan can confer baptism in a case of necessity as long as he has the church's intention. All you need do is pour ordinary water on the head of the person dying while saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I've had this privilege one time. You need to be prepared in case you have the privilege. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.